All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, host of New Tech City. And this week, we've got the answer to a big problem. A few answers to get more women into technology. Because there are interesting, sometimes strange, sometimes kind of obvious solutions happening right now, waiting to be spread far and wide. Something very personal needs to happen. We have success stories about how to get women to walk through the door of a computer science class and then stay. Literally overnight, that course became the most favorite required course in the first semester. Change is coming to some computer science classes, coming in the name of gender equality, but also in the name of keeping the U.S. economy growing. Yes, gender equality in computer science is that big a deal. The fact that they don't offer computer science here at high school level, I thought that was really disappointing. Get ready to meet some women with some very specific, sometimes unusual ideas that could change how we think about computer science and women. Let's start here. I'm sitting in the back of a typical freshman year college computer science class. The class is in the coding language C++. And there are one, two, three, seven women here in a class of 21 men. Where are all the other women? Well, that ratio is actually pretty good by national standards and not typical here at Hunter College in Manhattan, not anywhere in the U.S. Only 13% of our students are women, of our majors are women. But in math, it's over half. And this is a trend that's around the country where we have women are just not interested in majoring in computer science. William Sackis heads the computer science department at Hunter College. And when I met him at a cocktail party a couple of weeks ago, he was frustrated about what he called his department's gender problem, particularly since computer science enrollments in general at colleges soared last year, going up 22 percent. More guys, but not as many more gals. Sackis sees the difference between the female students he does have and male students right off the bat, once they complete their first assignment. So the the first program that almost everybody writes is called the Hello World program, where you get the computer to print out the message Hello World in a programmatic way. Almost universally, it's, wow, that's cool. I mean, everybody gets that. I think the difference is, is that the male students look around and say, well, how exactly did that happen? Whereas the women students probably look at it and say, oh, wow, that's cool. What else can I do? Now, of course, not all men think one way and women think another. But that difference in perspective that Sackis describes in his computer science students is common enough to cause a domino effect. 
Right now, the computer science curriculum at most colleges plays to the standard male student's inclination. Courses focus on how computers and code work, not what the women are often looking for, how code can be used to solve problems or create things. And even though the studies show that women do just as well as men at programming, it's tough to attract them in the first place. At least as I see it, women are going to shine in this area if we could just get them into the major. But over on the other side of the country in California is a woman who has made it her mission to get women to major in computer science. Hi, Manoush. It's very nice to meet you. Introducing computer scientist and mathematician Maria Clave. I'm of an age that when I went to college, there were many more women at that time majoring in computer science than there were in mathematics, which is pretty funny. And weird. Like, what happened? It used to be that when people were thinking about majoring in computer science, nobody had any experience with computers in the home because there weren't any PCs at that point. And so people weren't really sure what it was all about, but it seemed to involve typing. And for some reason, that seemed to be something that women (laughs) were thought to be possibly good at. Typing. Yeah, that's for the ladies. Right. So at that time in the 70s and early 80s, between 30 to 40 percent of computer science majors were female. And then PCs came into homes and schools. What most children did with PCs was play computer games. And most of the computer games were games that seemed very boy centric. You know, you're shooting at objects. As a result, boys became sort of the computer hogs at homes and schools, and everybody sort of just decided that computers were a boy thing. Fast forward to 2006, and Maria Clave is appointed president of Harvey Mudd College. The percentage of computer science majors who were female was about 10%. But the professors there told her that they had a plan to upend those numbers. They took our introductory course, which was a fairly typical learn to program in Java course, and they changed it to creative approaches to problem solving in science and engineering using Python. Using the words creative and problem-solving made the course sound intriguing. And Python is a more forgiving and practical coding language. But the professors had more in store. And so they made one section CS5 black and one section CS5 gold. Basically, they split the class into two groups. Gold was the section for students who had no prior coding experience, and black was the section of students who did. So black included those guys who were into coding in high school and tended to dominate class discussion. So they also did something they called... Eliminating the macho effect. Eliminating the macho effect. So one of the things that happens uh, is that It's pretty common that somebody, usually a couple of guys in the class, will know lots more than everyone else and will talk about it. And it's very scary for the other students in the class because they just assume that everybody knows that much. And so then what the faculty would do is take that student aside one-on-one and just say, You know, Joe, I love having you in my class. You're such a great student and you're so passionate about the material and you're so well prepared. You probably don't realize that most of the other students find how much you know really intimidating. So I'd love to continue our conversations, but let's just do it one-on-one. And they get it. They weren't doing it because they wanted to intimidate people. They were doing it because they were excited to talk to somebody about computer science. Clave says that literally overnight, that course, which was still just as rigorous, just as challenging, but was now framed differently, well, it became the favorite required course in the first semester. 
instead of being the most despised required course. And there were two more steps taken to convince women to choose computer science as their major. First, the professors took them to an annual women and computing conference. You go there and you see that there are just tons of women, all kinds of women. I mean, people who wear jeans and T-shirts like me and people who wear glittery high heels and earrings and makeup and all that kind of stuff. And they offered a summer of research after that first year. We had students working on things like educational games and a version of Dance Dance Revolution for the elderly and epidemiology modeling and, you know, things that they could see were using computing technology to actually work on something that mattered. By the time the four-year experiment was over, the college had gone from 10 percent female computer science majors to 40 percent female. The strategy worked as a sort of slow seduction. They take the first course, they love it. They go to the Hopper Conference, they love it. They say, oh, I'll take one more course. And then they take that one more course and they love it. And then they take the third course in the sequence. And by the time they're in that, they're sort of going, I could be a CS major, I guess. And, and so they are. What a relief. There is a way to get women into computer science. And Harvey Mudd isn't the only college doing this. Berkeley, Duke, Northwestern have all had some success with similar tactics. But what if instead of having to make such an effort at the college level, we could just get girls comfortable with thinking computationally earlier at a younger age? Part of that solution is disproving the myth that girls just aren't natural programmers, that they don't think logically. Because, well, that just isn't true. Ada isn't the first female computer programmer. She is the first computer programmer full stop. Sue Charman Anderson is a software consultant and the founder of a celebration called Ada Lovelace Day. I talked to her by Skype from London. And I knew a lot of women in tech, and it seemed to me that the major problem that they faced was just a lack of profile. Several years back, Sue found that she wanted to do something about it. What needed to happen was that we needed to create some more role models, particularly in tech. And so I started Ada Lovelace Day. Think of her as a steampunk technology pioneer. She was the daughter of Lord Byron. But really into math and science. She would sit and invent steam-powered machines when she was a child. Again, this is the early 1800s. And when a mathematician friend designed what was essentially the first computer called the analytical engine, it was Ada Lovelace who obsessed over how it might be used. She came to understand the analytical engine very well indeed and wrote the first complete and the first published program that would run on it. She basically took a series of numbers, the Bernoulli numbers. I mean, I can't say I'm that interested in the Bernoulli numbers, but Sue had me with Byron. Now, I'm just throwing this out there, but it does seem that part of the way to get girls into math, science and computer science is with stories. The other day, I did my own experiment with wooden blocks. I set out a big box of them onto the kitchen floor and watched my six-year-old boy and three-year-old daughter go to work. He built a complex machine with levers and catapults. She took the blocks and pretended that they were things, a stick of butter, bread, drums, and a keyboard. And then she wanted to make things, music, and sandwiches with them. I want to get my little girl into the science thing early. And I feel like stories could be a great entry point for her. And this woman backs up my anecdotal evidence with cash. Hi. Meet Linda Lucas. Linda Lucas. 
uh, but most of the people just say Lucas. Right. So Linda had an idea to explain the world of computers to kids, a hand-drawn storybook. And she asked the world to fund it on Kickstarter. I want to write a children's book for my future kids about the magical world of technology, coding craft, software, and storytelling. Her goal was to raise $10,000. <laughs> Then in three and a half hours, the $10,000 uh, goal was broken. And after the first day, people, eager parents mostly, had pledged to Linda $100,000. And then in, let me see, in four weeks, uh, Hello Ruby gathered $380,000 uh, from people all over the world. So why did Linda make nearly 40 times her goal? Well, her project clearly touched a nerve. Her book is called Hello Ruby. It's about a little girl named after the programming language Ruby. Now, Ruby, in girl form, came to Linda sort of like an apparition when she was teaching herself to code. I ran into all of these problems like what is garbage collection? What is uh, object-oriented programming? And, and all of a sudden, this little girl called Ruby kind of appeared in front of me and, and she started teaching me things. And whenever I ran into a problem, I would think like, huh, how would a little six-year-old girl like explain this thing in her imagination? And, uh, wait, you know, wait, wait, wait. Ruby <laughs> is like... Ruby was a sort of figure in your mind that yes, kept popping yes, up? Yes, like an imagination thing for me. Like your invisible friend? Yeah, exactly. My invisible technical friend who, who knew answers to everything. Linda started to see stories wherever she saw technology, including operating systems, browsers. The characters soon included a snow leopard who was beautiful and wanted to be alone, and, and Linux the penguin, or Firefox where she meets the messy androids. Where were the books for kids that explain how code and computers work, Linda wanted to know. When, when people think about computers, they think that they are foreign and scary and, and lonely and And sort of this utopian, scary future. For me, computers are very warm and very whimsical and very human. Something very personal needs to happen uh, in order for a kid to get excited about computers and technology, or, or kids more broadly than like the only the mathematically and logically gifted kids. Linda's not the only one. Another project that got rapidly funded on Kickstarter is Goldie Blocks, an engineering toy for girls. I need to give that a try. And meanwhile, hurry up, Linda. I need this book for my daughter. She's not getting any younger. Back at Hunter College, I asked two female computer science majors what happened in their early lives that made them so comfortable with the subject. And I found it kind of telling that neither woman was brought up in the U.S. Teresa Sternberg is from Russia. When it comes to math, Russia, I'm sure everyone knows that, is very strong in mathematical background. And uh, Russian high school education is very solid. Um, And I don't think anyone has math problems there. <laughs> Akanksha Verma is from India. The fact that they don't offer computer science here at high school level, I thought that was really disappointing because when I was in India, I did my ninth and 10th grade there. And, um, and I had a very strong computer science background from India. But when I came here, when I did the rest of my high school, um, there was no computer science. Like, I completely lost touch with computer science pretty much as a high school student in America. And what's your plan after you graduate? Um, I want to work as a software developer, uh, hopefully with a team of in like equally motivated people who want to change things and want to develop new things. Neither woman could think of a fellow female computer science classmate who had grown up in the U.S. 
And the U.S. is behind other countries like Austria, the U.K., Netherlands, Japan, Slovakia, Slovenia, Tunisia, when it comes to offering computer science to school-age kids. But it's those even earlier years that are key. That's what Dr. Susan Epstein told me. Epstein is a mother of four, a professor in artificial intelligence at Hunter, and she meets a lot of young women. Dream scenario, you get to go back in time into these women's lives. Where would you grab them? What age and what would you do? I have four children. Give them to me when they're three. Let me play math with them. Let me have them manipulate physical objects in the world. Little girls in particular, I think, still don't get enough experience building and enough experience playing with numbers. The numbers are really fun to play with. Shapes are, too. Moving stuff around on an iPad is not the same experience. Absolutely not. Playing video games is not the way to learn to see three-dimensional space. Building with your hands is. Or eating with your hands, even. I used to cut peanut butter sandwiches for the kids in the neighborhood when they came to lunch. And the challenge was for them to think up shapes I should cut their sandwich in that they didn't think I'd be able to get out of that piece of bread. The college version of those trapezoidal peanut butter sandwiches is Epstein's plan to get students to dream up what they major in, and she will help make it happen by applying their first love, economics, history, whatever, to computer science. The world is going to be, we have no choice, an interdisciplinary place. So Double major, triple major, be my guess. Not just math and computer science, but psychology and computer science, communication and computer science. The days of a lone coder working through the night are over. Computer science is going to be applied to everything, and the future is teamwork, which is more attractive to more people anyway, of both sexes. But for now, by the time Epstein's colleague, Professor William Sackis, remember him at the beginning, by the time he gets a crack at recruiting students, it's often too late. Right. So logistically, it's hard to find these students because of the lack of exposure in middle school and high school. It's hard to find them when they're 18 and and they're freshmen. They don't even know what computer science is. They know what biology is because it's a New York State biology regents exam. They know what math, they know what reading is. But they don't know what computer science is. Now, help is coming, slowly. A new AP high school class being piloted will start in 2016. It's called Computer Science Principles and will focus on learning to solve problems. And the National Science Foundation is also supporting a program called 10K. The program wants to get 10,000 trained computer science teachers in 10,000 schools across the U.S., And of course, nonprofits like Girls Who Code and An Hour of Code are growing, as are the number of tech jobs that need to be filled. As the industry evolves along this way, when we need to find creative solutions to problems, the creative approaches that women bring to the table are going to be more and more and more valued. And before we end our show, I can't help but mentioning that Dr. Sackis has a very interesting experiment going on where he's trying to give equal opportunity to both genders in his own home. Yes, so I have two 15-month-old twins. Uh, I have a a son and I have a daughter. And we're trying to avoid using our kids as guinea pigs. But it will be interesting to see who is the more... 
I, I'm hoping there is no difference, but it'd be interesting to see who is the more adept at quote unquote computational thinking or problem solving at an early age. If you've got some great ideas for getting girls interested in computer science at any age, shoot us a note at newtechcity.org or at me on Twitter. I'm at Manoush Z. Thank you so much for listening to this week's New Tech City. Back when I was 13 years old, I had a very, very personal need to connect with coding because I was super madly in love with Al Gore and I wanted to build a website for him in Finnish. 